Uh, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is socially distanced. And this speaking right now into the microphone is Paxton Wright, uh, one of the two hosts of Socially Distanced, who is here with the other host of Socially Distanced, who is? Who's the other host of Socially Distanced? I don't know. I guess I have to take over for him. Hi, I'm Justin. Nice to meet you, Justin. Thanks for taking over for the other mystery host who has uh, never been on this show and you have been on the show every week. It's, it's almost like you should just be the co-host at this point. You think I could? Do you think I have enough experience? Yeah, I think you've gained a lot more experience than the nameless co-host, man. So I, uh, I, I think we're looking point. good for you. Yeah, but I just don't know if I'll ever be able to live up to nameless co-host, though. Well, who can? I mean, he's really the Ed McMahon of his time. But, uh, but you know, you, you, we're, we're doing our best here. We're, you know, we're, we're pulling the show up together as best we can with leather straps and twigs and by gum i think i think we can make some quality radio here even though we haven't really done that in the last minute and 10 seconds but there's always time <laughs> to fix that uh well we try one of our bits will be good one of these days <laughs> i they always they always say to make the thing for yourself and then the fans will come I've thoroughly been enjoying these bits, and uh, well, the fans still haven't come yet. But I'm holding out. <laughs> I'm holding out hope, Justin. I'm not giving up. Uh, why do we do this? <laughs> That's a question that every single college radio host asks themselves on a daily basis. Uh, well, despite that uh, really, really sad existential button that I just put on this conversation. How, how you been by and large, Justin? Uh, I've been okay. I've been adjusting to the idea of getting back to work this summer. I feel yeah. like I can normally allow myself like a week, a week and a half uh, after the end of the spring quarter to relax. And then I need to get back to work. And now it's that time. So yeah, I'm trying to read things again. I'm still playing some stuff, I'm, you know, getting ready to start writing my dissertation, I'm meeting with some professors about that project, and, you know, it's been all right. How are you? Yeah, well, I, I didn't mention it on the show last week, but I'm newly graduated, so that's terrifying. Um, <laughs> trying to find a more positive spin to put on it, but it really won't be until I'm uh, housed and employed, and, uh, Looking at how, how uh, prosperous and fruitful that job market is, I think it'll be, it'll be some amount of time till I get there. But uh, let's hope it's sooner rather than later. You know, I'm not a praying man, but could, I'll, could use, my, could my use fingers are prayers. crossed for you. That's, yeah. I'll take it. I'll take it. I, I, I ask that all audiences cross them fingers for me. Um, but yeah, b- uh, besides that, I mean, it's been... It's been fine. I've been, uh, they, they say you're allowed, you know, a week to a month of like time killing after you graduate to just like, do you catch your breath? You know, the, the world can wait. Just, just enjoy yourself a bit. You know, that's, that's the, that's the message I've gotten from so many people. Everyone's just saying like, yeah, just, just take a little time for some R and R. When you've come off a few months of school and quarantine and uh, you're doing your classes in your underwear, feels a little uh, like you have less of an excuse for R&R upon graduation, given the perpetual R&R uh, we've been existing in for a while. Extremely stressful, miserable R&R, but R&R nonetheless. It's actually, it's actually an interesting kind of way to put it because like the, the, the duality of being graduated is that you have all this free time but you have all this free time with like the impending kind of crushing despair sorry of <laughs> of needing yeah as you said needing a wage and needing like basically needing a wage so you can afford secure housing right and and food and the other things that it takes to be alive and that's actually pretty much been like the state of things in quarantine right is this like as you said like you uh after graduation you're advised to like put life on pause for a little bit and in a weird way quarantine has been you know like the, the country kind of collectively putting itself on pause 
with the exact same kind of like looming crushing despair which is to say what's going to happen when we press play yeah exactly i mean like eventually you know the landlord's going to come knocking and rents due you know and uh, most landlords have not been super kind about that rent alleviation or anything so yeah it's it is in a weird way kind of this like macro expansion of the college graduate experience what a weird way to describe coronavirus it's like that but also <laughs> it's like that but also I can't like, tell what if that's was, insensitive or not <laughs> it's, it's like it is and i was i was actually gonna try and like amend that and say that like that is the coronavirus experience but then also add a deadly disease and basically just federal malpractice in terms of taking care of it and yeah so it's like what if you add like a layer of horrifying death over that like wage tension this 1970s sci-fi novel we're living in right now sucks yeah i'm not i'm not a fan i think we were going to talk a little bit of current events we're kind of leaning into that now what what did you uh what did you want to talk about (laughs) um card all right well i mean there is a whole mess of things going on everywhere you look and we have strived to you know keep this show as relatively not like pure turn your brain off just listen to two guys talk about video games etc kind of thing we, we we do try to tie it into current and topical events but we try to keep it a reasonable level of junk foodiness um of course the last few weeks i think was not the time nor place in the world to keep it on a super junk foodie level. So we we've delved into some more heavier issues of, of the moment on a national level. And I guess on a global level, really. And those issues continue to permeate and develop in some ways for the positive in many ways for the negative while new issues pop up as well. As we've seen in the last week, there's been this sort of new wave of, I I don't want to diminish them to just being uh, allegations so as to imply that there is a degree of skepticism, but yeah. Are you discussing uh, discussing, like the the wave of uh, the allegation that uh, Chris Avalon and like other people are like uh, sexual predators? Yeah, yes. Uh, long, long and short of it, yes. Um, yep. And we've seen that in a... F- it's been going on in a, a lot of spheres right now, but I feel like this is the largest wave that we've seen in some time. Uh, probably in the last few years of many, many, many people being called out on predatory behavior uh, th- that we haven't really seen on the scale in a while. But, oh, in a while. Like, Particularly, not since, like, Me Too. I feel like, yeah, since, like, 2016, 17, the, so, like, the last time we've had this major wave of it. And we've seen it predominantly, I think, in the worlds of uh, stand-up comedy, content creation in YouTube, and uh, video game production and development. It seem to be the yep. three industries where, wherein this has been predominantly focused. And I feel like the first one to sort of cap this off were the allegations against Chris D'Elia, the stand-up yes. comedian. Yes, yeah, yeah. And then I think it all kind of escalated from there. There was, there was more, more names being called out and uh, more receipts being presented. Yeah, I mean, as with all of these things, it's terrible to see because it just means that that many more people were harmed. And the thing that's also really disappointing is that it's just like, well, of course, right? Like this, you know, content, like continued abuse of power, continued patriarchal violence, it's it's just i mean it's always infuriating and disappointing you know it's like the like the weird thing about me too is that people stopped using that hashtag right like yeah. that's like the only like that's like the thing that like and i don't mean i i don't have like some thesis about that what i mean is that really i think like the thing that was revealed with me too was that this is a problem that is not going away anytime soon. And like the only reason that the hashtag stopped is just that, well, you know, like it got kind of, I mean, on the one hand, it got like a little bit co-opted and a little bit like, like I remember seeing like, you know, hashtag me too, like merch at one point, which is when you know that something has kind of been taken by uh, the mainstream in a way that like really wants to like 
in a very uh, cynical way, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's horrible. Uh, I I don't know. I, I don't know what else I can say, to be honest. Like, it's just a really awful thing. Right. And, and yeah, I think that's important to get into, too. And I think it's why we I don't think it's our place to delve too heavily into the subject on this show, given that we are two heterosexual cisgendered white guys uh, mm-hmm. who do a show about video games and movies. We, we, we brought this up in the last few weeks too, is that it, we are not to say that we cannot be victims of sexual assault and violence as well, but we are low on the totem pole of it. Uh, we're low on the to- uh, totem pole of, of that kind of exploitation. And I, I don't know that it is, you know, if we're the people that should really be tackling this issue, but it is worth being acknowledged. And I think it's interesting too that, yeah, as you say, like after after the Me Too movement really sort of took off and we saw the the big names go down, we saw the the you know Harvey Weinstein's, the Bill Cosby's, the Kevin Spacey's, etc., the Matt Lauer's. List goes on. Um, we see these receipts being presented of people like. Crystalia, um, that that if they're legit and they seem to be taking place well after the initial fallout of the Me Too movement, which shows that you know a lot of men in power still feel that they are in a position wherein they can they can get away with this, and that that fallout from Me Too didn't really teach them much. Yeah, yeah, it's super it's super disconcerting and it's it's a problem that doesn't go away when you remove the like the problem people, right? I mean, it's like yeah, like I, you know, I'm as happy as the next person that like Harvey Weinstein is facing justice. But like we you can't just like pluck out, you know, like a few big names. Like it is this like really incredibly pervasive problem that has not gone away just because a hashtag isn't used as much. Like this is, you know, like this is patriarchal violence this is something that is built into our society right now and it needs to be excised that has not been excised yet and yeah like as you said like i don't think it's you know our subject position as to you know white cishet guys like we are not the best people to speak on this issue but i think it's just like we would you know uh, we would be at fault if we maybe didn't mention it, given the particularly because it like touches like all of these like entertainment industries, some of which that we're we're going to be talking about later on in the show. So right. you know, we don't want to talk about like hey, video games or whatever, you know, like independent of these uh, these issues that are happening. Yeah, but I, I think that's that's a good place to leave it off on. Um, I am very regretful. Now that I uh, am in the background of a uh, Netflix Crystalia special from several years ago, really, that's, uh, that's one that I, I would like to get that <laughs> get that scrubbed off the platform. That is, um, yep, that one didn't age well. No, no, it was 2016 though. What we we didn't know. Um, end of the day, we we support victims of violence and sexual abuse and applaud uh, the bravery and tenacity it takes to come forward and as you've said this is a systemic patriarchal issue that unfortunately is probably not going away anytime soon but uh the sharing of these stories can hopefully slowly but surely create some kind of snowballing effect to begin to dismantle uh this issue again i I think as we saw in 2016-17 in the initial me too era it took more than even that because we're still dealing with this continually, but hopefully this, we, can, we can move on. Moving on to, uh, to much more lighter subject matter. Well, unfortunate, I guess, depending on who you ask, but uh, we, 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 said, we said goodbye to, to a titan of the industry the other day. Um, we, we had to uh, say our mournful farewells. Bless Mixer for all that it provided. Mixer was... I don't want to say it was a, a good platform, but it was... It was a, a platform. It was a platform. It was an ambitious platform. And it was around for like six months. But it was a platform nonetheless. And a platform we will remember. And <laughs> I will begin remembering it, Paxton. When you explain to our listeners and also to me 
what Mixer was. Well, I'm so glad you asked because I didn't even know until after I heard it was dead. Um, but Mixer was basically Microsoft's answer to Twitch and YouTube's uh, streaming capabilities. Uh, they wanted a gaming streaming platform that was just intended to compete. I don't really know that it necessarily held much edge. Probably something to do with like bandwidth or something. I, I don't know how those things work. I don't, I don't know how streaming works, but I do know that it was, it was put on the map because I actually do, I, I kind of say in jest that I hadn't heard of it until I heard it was dead because I do remember about, yeah, six, seven months ago, um, late last year, uh, when Ninja, the very reputable streamer who, uh, whether or not you keep up with streaming, you've probably heard a sixth grader tell you about him. Uh, has, that's, that's cruel. That's cruel. Ninja, he's, he does good work. But uh, uh, Ninja made the big jump between platforms. He jumped from Twitch to Mixer, and a lot of people followed. I think the sad, the sad thing about Mixer is that a lot of people uh, began their uh, streaming careers on Mixer rather than Twitch, rather than YouTube, because they wanted to basically get in on the ground floor of this new platform that now had a lot of reputability because a gajillionaire world famous streamer uh, had very publicly made the switch over to it. And I think because it was a smaller, more tight knit community, people had a better chance of gaining that exposure as streamers. And it's, it is sad to see now that this uh, ambitious thing that a lot of people took big bets on in, in an effort to develop a career in a very competitive industry, uh, no longer have that option. The rug's sort of been pulled out from under them. And now many of them probably have to go back to square one. They have to go to Twitch. They have to go to YouTube where the medium is much more saturated and where it is much harder to get eyeballs on you. Yeah, and Mixer is going to redirect to Facebook gaming now, right? Oh, is that? Yeah, that's where, yeah, Facebook has, yeah. I, I don't think Facebook gaming has uh, quite even had the success that Mixer had, and clearly Mixer didn't quite have enough. So uh, who maybe Facebook gaming will be the new thing, but as Facebook also, again, uh, more more heavy current events, but as Facebook also finds itself roiled with controversy and having uh, major advertisers pulling out left and right, who knows what the future on that platform is going to look like. It's a, it's a weird place to be in right now. Um, makes me grateful that I uh, have not attempted to be a video game streamer. Yeah, I've considered it multiple times and then remembered that no one knows who I am and no one would care if I streamed anything. So then I didn't. And then um, you went to, then you went to public radio in Irvine, California instead. You know what? I think it's an up and coming medium and. Uh, <laughs> you can't even finish that thought. No, I, can't. <laughs> I can't commit to that bit. <laughs> we like to have fun here at KUCI. Yeah, but it's, it is unfortunate. It's yeah, funny. I'm... It's a little bit funny because it's Mixer. It's just like, it's like when big ambitious platforms that carry themselves like they're too hot to trot. I don't even know if that's a real expression. I think it is. It um, is. Yeah. Yeah. But like when they, when they carry themselves like big head honchos, uh, despite established competition being in the way, like it can be a little bit you get that sense of of schadenfreude um particularly like i i love watching the google stadia fail watching the google stadia implode on itself oh, is right. yeah that's it's out that, it still exists. exists it's happening yeah. that's that's wild huh. <laughs> i was just gonna say like before actually i'm sorry before i continue tell me what the google stadia is okay right now oh. i have like a logo and like a vague black box in my head and i'm like yeah i think that's the stadia but i'm not sure here's the thing i think it's a white sphere not a black <laughs> box but i actually don't know i can't answer that question for you because even i am not 100 percent sure basically the stadia is a console a video game console that you can buy uh, you like we we view the competition as being Switch, 
PlayStation, Xbox, and PC if you want to go that route too. Those are sort of your four big dogs. And then Google was like, step back, everybody. We're getting into the game. And everybody's basically just like, who are you? What? And they're like, oh, but don't worry. The way Stadia works, we're the Netflix of games. Oh, right. Yeah, that was the, it was the streaming platform. You right? stream video games, which in theory is a great idea, but there's a reason it hasn't already really been tapped into that successfully. I think PlayStation has a service that kind of works similarly, but hasn't really been a big success. It's because games, especially modern games, which are extremely expensive to produce and made up of 10 billion moving parts and take up anywhere between typically at the lowest, like 40 gigs to like 400 gigs of space on your console. Mm. Uh, that's not really streamable. That doesn't quite work. So unless you're someone that doesn't care about terrible response times and plummeting frame rates, if, if those things don't matter to you, hey, Stadia's got it all, baby. But if you want to like enjoy Uncharted 4, you might want to stick with one of the big dogs. Um, and I think it's just, it's, it is, I, there is a hubris, there's a hubris to it that makes watching its failure funny because Google enters the game uh, acting as though they're, they're going to be the new hotshots, yet they have no experience with building consoles. Uh, they act as though this technology should have been done ages ago and that like they're pioneering this new technology that everyone would like to do if it were feasible. And in addition to that, they spend almost no money on advertising because they're, they seem to be convinced that this console will sell itself. Shocker when 90% of the market doesn't know the console exists or in our cases, what it looks like. Also, there was another function too, where the console had to be, and when it came out, I'm sure this has been patched by now, but for the first few weeks after it came out, uh, in order to set up an account, you needed to set up the account on your phone and it needed to be a Google phone. If you owned an iPhone and bought a Stadia, yeah, well, you got, a, you got a, a brick sitting on your desk until you buy a Google phone, basically, because you're not going to play it. You can't. They're not going to wow. let you. That's um, a horrible idea. <laughs> it's, it is just a collective of horrible ideas. And, and ultimately, you know, I'm not someone that takes a lot of pleasure in seeing projects fail particularly projects where i'm sure i'm sure lots and lots and lots of people put their blood sweat and tears and thousands of hours into making the stadia happen uh and try their best to get it to flourish but there's there, there's no getting that thing to flourish it's not going to happen i wonder i wonder just like how much of it is google placing a bet on streaming too early because yeah there is like playstation now or whatever that service is called that is not very successful though i do generally think that we might hit a point where like streaming games becomes it might become more of a necessity in a few years time given that i mean the playstation 5 had its big like announcement a week or so ago maybe a little over a week ago and they're releasing there's a version of that console that doesn't have a disk drive which would just mean you'd figure would just mean that like the games will be downloadable but also, like, I finally had to delete uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Uh, that's the new one, not the one from 2007. Yeah, Basically, they just called another game Modern Warfare, and it was a different Ugh. game. Um, <laughs> but uh, I had to delete that from my from my PS4 because I have, like, a non-PS4 Pro, and it, it took up about half the hard drive. And, like, it was just like, well, you know, I keep this because I play this with people who live in North Carolina who I don't really just talk to any other way but it was around 200 gig when I deleted it and it had like another 80 gig patch. And I was just like, I'm yeah, like I can't keep this. And if games continue to balloon in size in that way, then streaming things like might actually become a kind of necessity just in terms of storage or if like the, the sizes of SSDs as uh, SSDs become more of the norm rather than hard drives. Like if those sizes don't increase and don't get more affordable, 
affordable quickly, then we might see a kind of like technological conjuncture where where streaming games becomes the thing. But I think Google might have just like placed its bet too confidently about five years too soon. I, I completely agree. The technology isn't there yet and the demand isn't really there yet. And it, it's, it is a weird way to make your debut. Um, but yeah, as you say, yeah. I think it probably will eventually become, if not a necessity, a pretty big luxury. I mean, I yeah, that's a, that's a better word for it. The PlayStation 4 is, I think it's supposed to be like the biggest, in terms of actual physical size, uh, the biggest console in like 25 years like it's, oh, the uh, the ps5 you mean a uh, ps5 excuse me like it's bigger than the original xbox it's bigger than the ps3 like first gen it's yeah the thing is a tank like there's yeah. a reason for that mm-hmm. so games are hard to make now they were always hard to make but they're just getting harder to make and harder to run yeah um they are getting ever more expensive Yes, and expensive being the most operative word. Uh, so it's a wild world we're living in, Justin. All right, we, uh, we got to take a quick break, and then we'll be back shortly. And we're back. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Uh, This has been and remains socially distanced uh, with Paxton and Justin. You have us for another half hour. uh, So if you think you can brave it, don't tune out. Yeah. Or do if you don't want to listen to the show. That's, (laughs) That's my official advice. That's perfectly fair. You're a human being. It's a free country. You have autonomy. Uh, go do whatever you like. Turn off the radio and watch uh, 90 Day Fiance or whatever it is you so please. Yeah. Now, but on the other hand, if you want to listen to Paxton and Justin discuss the first half of The Last of Us 2, which is what I was planning to discuss for the back half of our show, then stick around. And learn about what I think about the first half of The Last of Us 2. I'd like to know what you think about the first half of The Last of Us 2, Justin. Because I uh, have not played it. I actually never even beat the first Last of Us. Oh, uh, really? No. It's, we'll, we can get into that in a bit. But it uh, it bounced off me super hard, man. Um, but huh. I have... Uh, people are divided on this game. And for many reasons, very valid, and for many reasons, very stupid. Um, uh-huh. What, 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 where, what's your take, Justin? Uh, it's all right. <laughs> all right, that's our show, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that's our Thanks. show. Thank you. <laughs> um, no, it, it's, uh, it's all right. So I guess, um, well, my questions before I really get into my thoughts in a very, uh, in a more profound way are, Paxton, how much do you know about The First Last of Us? How much do you know about the last of us 2 and i'm gonna try and keep this not very spoiler heavy because it's only been out for like less than a week and it's a very long game but there's like a few major events that happen in the beginning that i guess i can talk around uh that i will have to talk around but anyway what, what do you know my knowledge is very limited i played the first one when it came out uh very eager about it because i love the uncharted franchise and uh Beyond that, I don't have much of a history with Naughty Dog, the developer, but yeah, uh, absolutely adore the adored the first three Uncharted games, which by that point had come out, or at least the first two. Neither here nor there. Point being, I heard it was very good, and I wanted to check it out. And I watched, I played the first like two missions. I played like the opening mm-hmm. uh, prologue, wherein uh, you play as Joel, the main character, uh, and it's so basically The Last of Us takes place. I know um, during a like not a zombie apocalypse but like ed like you know but a zombie apocalypse a zombie apocalypse you know they call it the infected as they do in it's uh, i mean yeah like the idea is like i'll say it's at least like a an interesting zombie apocalypse insofar as like 
it's not just there's a virus. It's no, there is a really existing fungus, like the cordyceps fungus that like, well, in real life takes over the nervous system like smaller creatures. And basically they imagined, what if this infected people? Yeah. And, and so it, it's, it's a cool concept. We basically live in this world now where like post Romero films, like if you want to do a zombie film, you either have to lean into the bit that it's zombies and like play that up or you have to call them something else and change their their mechanics a bit. Um, basically, so I played that, and then I like you get to the end of the epilogue, wherein uh, basically watch over the or excuse me prologue, where basically over the course of the prologue, you play as Joel transitioning from normal everyday world to everything goes to fire and brimstone and a waking apocalyptic nightmare and Joel loses everything that's important to him. Then you flash forward to a few years later where the apocalypse is in full swing, baby. And uh, you're in, I believe it's Boston or maybe. Yeah. Sev- yeah you're in Boston, Boston and uh, you're, you're going through this compound and uh, things start going not well in the compound. And at that point I, I had heard everyone tell me, that this game was uh, brilliant, high art, excellent writing, and I don't doubt it. I don't doubt that it is, but I could not help but shake that, like, uh, this is just The Walking Dead. And I'm talking The Walking Dead like the TV show. This feels so evocative of, like, again, I'm not saying this is the case, but this was my experience with the first two missions. It, feel, it felt very evocative of, like, uh, soap operatic southern people in a zombie apocalypse and i was just like i don't want to do more of this and i just stopped playing and then for almost a decade kept hearing people tell me how great it was and how wrong i was and i assume they're correct but i've just had no interest in revisiting and i know Um, almost nothing about the last of us too well then then my uh follow-up question uh just kind of simply how much do you know about how the first last of us ends I know that I was confident that it was going to end with Joel dying, and he doesn't. He does not. Um, That's all I know, really. Okay. Well, I'm well. I'm going to spoil the ending for you. Have at uh, because there's really no way to talk about The Last of Us Two without talking about the end of that game. I'll say that I I actually really like the first Last of Us. I think you're not necessarily wrong about the level of its writing. I would give a little more credit to its performances than you do, to be honest. Like, I think its performances are good. I want to say, I think I tapped out too early. I do I do agree that I think I did. I just have not had the incentive to go back. But I am sure it is way better than I give it credit for. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, I mean, yeah, it's, I think for the time, which I know it sounds weird saying something like seven years ago and like framing it, like for the time it came out, but like thinking about what AAA games were doing then, like, keeping in mind that, like, the other, like, major, like, video games or art thing that came out that year was Bioshock Infinite, which is a uh, a mess of a game. Like, I, so actually, I liked that when I played it. Uh, and then, so did I. I actually beat that one. Yeah, yeah, I beat mm-hmm. it. I played it a few times. I think that game still has some nice imagery, and I think it has some cool moments. Uh, thematically, it's a mess. It is very centrist to the point of being incredibly racist. I'm talking about Bioshock Infinite, not The Last of Us here. Like, but, but a thing about Bioshock Infinite, for example, like going back to it uh, now, because uh, I played it actually a little earlier, uh, played like the first uh, third of it a little earlier this, uh, this year. It, it doesn't hold up formally. Like it very much feels like a, it's a janky shooter that uh, really doesn't pace out. It's like, it doesn't pace its narrative very well. Uh, the characters like performance and motivations feel very it's just a story messily told like it really like there are like certain scenes that feel like they shouldn't follow one another there are a lot of like conclusions that characters jump to about certain characters that really aren't justified um it's a lot of like on rails set pieces in this one right the first the first one had that too but this one's like even more rampant with it from what i'll say that like the set pieces are probably about as good as that game gets though like there's a really uh bioshock infinite still like the uh there's a really really good like oh oh, you're talking about infinite i thought you're talking about last of us too i apologize no 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 no. i'm talking i'm talking infinite um so the infinite is kind of a mess the last of us so now i'm talking about the first last of us okay um, which was like the other kind of like major AAA thing that came out that same year. And that was like the other like video games or art now. 
and comparatively the last of us is really tightly paced more well written use it still kind of does like the triple a environmental storytelling thing of anyway i found a note next to a dead person and the, the note is the dead person telling me how they died and it's corny in that way or at least very predictable and kind of like generic in the sense of like this is a thing that action games do it is it is a part of their genre but it was still you know like the material is well written it's effective and then it builds to a very effective ending which is basically like the plot setup of the last of us is yeah you as this character joel and uh the game uh it just first be said the game begins with joel losing his uh, daughter in like this initial zombie outbreak basically mm -hmm. uh 20 years on joel is introduced to ellie ellie becomes his like surrogate daughter figure ellie is also immune to the zombie virus and joel's mission is to take her across the country to a hospital uh this hospital that is run by this like a uh, little like ragtag resistance group to uh, who are going to like use her to make a vaccine for this virus and the end of the game is you get her there everything seems fine and then joel finds out that to make the virus uh, i'm sorry to make the vaccine for the not the, not the virus the for the cordyceps infection thing right right you know like it has this fiction, but we all know it's a zombie virus, right? Like it's very, you know, it's like- yeah, of, just, of course, it, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, he finds out that to make this vaccine, they would have to kill, uh, the, the, the people performing the operation would have to kill Ellie. And so he kills them. Like he basically, like that's like the, the big end game is you have this scene where Joel stages this big breakout and you know, you murder your way through a lot of people who are trying to save the world save this one girl and it's basically and the game frames it very well because it's very obviously an incredibly selfish act and pretty horrifically violent and the game sort of like reaches its like its peak it's like its moment where it's like the most interesting where you finally like get to the operating table and like a surgeon uh like you've fought your way through all of these like you know heroic freedom fighters and just slaughtered them and then uh, this one surgeon like sees you come like you bust in the surgeon sees you come in he grabs like a little knife and he just goes like i'm not gonna let you take her and then you you have to kill him like there is no way around it like you the player basically have to hit the button to make to make your main character do the bad thing that you shouldn't want to do and then yeah you uh break yeah you break ellie out and then the game ends with this kind of uh, kind of ambiguous moment where you know, Ellie is like knocked out cold as you take her out. And then as you take her out of this hospital, you drive away with her. Uh, Ellie asks, Ellie wakes up, asks what happened. And Joel like concocts this fantasy basically that like, oh, no, it turns out, you know, they did some tests and you know, you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't have helped anything. So now we're just going to go live with my brother in this like one, you know, survivalist community. And then Ellie basically accepts the story but pretty much lets on that she knows that he's lying and it's actually like a really good it's a really good understated dramatic moment that the game ends on and i think like that is the that is the thing that the first last of us does very well like it, it like it it uh, makes you disidentify with your um with your player character and then it ends on this like note of like really kind of like shaky trust. That's like, it's just like, it's a really, really nice, I'm not gonna say it's morally ambiguous because Joel is very obviously a villain, but it's a villain who, you know, who does a thing out of love and you spend so much time with him that you kind of, that you kind of get it while still hopefully condemning the act uh, because it is like horrific and selfish and very violent. And then, uh, yeah, and then you get this kind of like nice uh, moment of dramatic tension. Uh, the Last of Us Two follows up about four years later, and you play as uh, you play as Ellie, so you play as the uh, the now adult um, like daughter figure from the first game, and it's just not as interesting as the first one. Like I'm uh, now I'm about halfway through it, uh, as I mentioned at the top of this conversation, and it doesn't really have as how do I put this. I, I hear it's uh from from what I've kind of gathered from uh cultural osmosis is that it's kind of a very sort of standard uh revenge tale. I don't know if that's true. It's just kind uh, of a kind of well okay. well worn territory. 
so it is so it is that's that's the thing is that like it is a standard revenge tale but it's a revenge tale that like the thing that it wants to do is humanize the people you're taking revenge on and i've hit a point like i've hit a point where you get this like pretty big a thing that the a thing that the first game did was you have these like moments of like uh perspective shift like they're not very many but you have a few and they're very striking and this game is trying to do that again and it's trying to do that where like you know, you basically you start playing as Ellie, and now you're playing as a bat, as you know, one of the bad people. And the whole point of like the the latest kind of uh, perspectival shift that I've hit is that now I'm like, I can tell that like now, okay, I'm going to be with this person that I uh, am supposed to dislike. And I'm gonna be with them for a while, and the game wants me to like them. And the thing is, like, I do like them. I'm not interested in liking them, though, like, which is to say that, like, yeah, I, you know, now having spent this time with this character, like, put it this way, the character was already had motivation, like, was already perfectly well motivated, but, I mean, again, I don't know, like, I don't necessarily know what plot beats this is building to, but I feel like there is this particular, um, the first game wanted to, like, wanted its violence to be uncomfortable, and it was for the time you know like by especially compared to like other naughty dog games the violence was slower and heavier and like a lot more deliberate and even more, though nathan drake is the world's most charismatic genocidal maniac but yeah yeah exactly like it very much like the first last of us felt like a kind of you know as people have talked about like the first last of us is very much a self-conscious kind of corrective like okay now we're going to we're going to solve this problem not by making a game about a likable hero who doesn't kill people, which would have been a way to solve that problem. They basically went the complete opposite direction. We're like, we're going to make a violent game that is like about the violence being uncomfortable. And The Last of Us 2 really wants to double down on that, where like this is, I'm wondering like how much of this is the game doing this and how much of this is just like the reviews that, and like the discourse around the game before it came out where people are like, you feel so bad playing this game. Like, oh, like, you know, it humanizes the, uh, like, it humanizes the bad guys. And like, oh, it's like, you know, you feel so awful. It's so intense. And I'm like, it's a kind of a grisly action game. Like, that's the thing. It's like, I'm just kind of unmoved by its brutality. Because, like, it's brutal, but it's brutal in the way that, like, let's be real, a lot of games are brutal. So it's like, and it, and it sounds like, I feel like, you know, someone just kind of like looking at footage of this thing and hearing me say that would think, wow, Justin's pretty heartless. But, um, cause it's, you know, it's gross, but I feel like it kind of glosses over the things about it that are like really, really gross. And like, I'll put it this way, uh, headshots in this game are disgusting. You don't really see them unless you choose to kind of like go up and look and see like what, you know, like if you fire a bullet at someone's head, it messes their head up really bad. It is actually upsetting to look at. The game never really makes you look at it though. And I was just kind of like, I wonder what this looks like. And yeah, it's like, it's messed up. And I found myself just going, man, uh, someone who had to like develop the algorithm for this kind of like disfiguration probably had to look at a lot of videos of dead people. Oh, like that's, uh, there's that whole, I don't want to get too into into it, but like that was a huge issue with the last Mortal Kombat game was um, a bunch of the animators and artists behind it actually needed like extensive counseling because they were ex- they had to for reference be exposed to like snuff videos and horrific things that no human should have to watch and study at length in order to make a video game that like in in Mortal Kombat's case like used that gore to like a basically like a comical effect um yeah like it's really how how horrible would it be to like really to do extensive harm to your mental health for a Mortal Kombat game <laughs> especially mortal Kombat 11 Ugh. yeah like <laughs> not worth I, it i mean uh just like the, like the even like the like the edict that came down for people to like look at reference videos for like the gore in mortal Kombat. just like seriously like if you are like a development if you're like the head of development just make it up just say like no do not do anything just you know imagine the dumbest like blood and guts you can imagine and have fun with it like make it like you know, something that is don't harm people for this dumb thing where like we're supposed to like laugh at the blood and guts you know like you'd hope that you'd like 
foster an environment where like the people developing that could also like have a laugh about it if nothing else. It's a game where a lizard man with blades sticking out of his arms can fight the Terminator. Like, that is not worth it in the grand scheme of things. But enough about The Last of Us 2. Hey! (laughs) No, that hasn't happened uh, yet. But I'll put it this way. It's like, like, it's fine because it does the things that, like, Naughty Dog games do well, which is to say that, like, the the mise-en-scene is incredibly rich even though it's like weird that you spend most of the game in seattle and i don't know if seattle has like as many classics like 70s wood interiors as the designers at naughty dog think it does but like they're very (laughs) nice looking and yeah like it's it's gorgeous you know like it looks great it uh it's it's still well acted the yeah like it's very it is very technically competent and like and i don't just mean like competent as in like it's fine it's like no like these are people who are good at what they do producing a really coherent nice looking digital environment and that is you know worth commending but also like yeah i mean it's a revenge tale that could be interesting and maybe it will get interesting in the second half but like okay i'll put it this way the big like perspective shift that i just hit where you basically you know you play as a bad person or you know the i'm saying with air quotes here the bad person who in the beginning of the game does a bad thing that sets off the revenge mission, uh, Ellie's revenge mission. And I feel like the bolder choice, like the thing that actually would have made this interesting was to start in the perspective of the bad person. Like, like start with the villain, like really like deny your players the, uh, the immediate kind of like brand name satisfaction of like, I'm with Joel and Ellie and they're doing stuff which is like, you know, what people expected from this game. Like, I'm just imagining, like, what if you had a game, like a 30-hour long game where you spent the first, I don't know, let's say like 10 hours with someone you had never heard of. What, yeah, like, what if they had started with that? What if it built toward the bad thing these people do? What if you, when they did that bad thing, actually knew who these people were, understood them, cared about them as characters, and then... And then from then on, we're thrust into uh, the perspectives that you're used to from the original game. Yeah, it's an interesting subversion that I think would be really thematically appropriate based on what I'm kind of now hearing about this franchise, uh, which based on your description of the first one's ending alone, I, again, I always figured I didn't give the first one enough credit. Now it sounds all the more like that's the case. Um, but it's it's an interesting subversion that I feel I'm surprised hasn't really been done at least effectively the only example of anything like that that even comes close to mind that did it to kind of disastrous effect was um what was it assassin's creed 3 where you spend the first like four hours in the most lengthy tutorial session uh as a borderline nothing character in the actual grand scheme of the plot yeah that was that was actually the exact thing like when i was when i had this first thought i was like what games have done that and that was the one that came to mind was Assassin's Creed 3. And uh, so fun fact about me, uh, before I moved to California, I had, um, I had a party where like some of my friends showed up and they like, uh, it was, uh, there was a corny thing that I did not uh, plan where like they all like, you know, wrote me a little note. And one of the notes that one of my friends wrote me was, why George, what reason did he give? Which was like a line from the most annoying mission from Assassin's Creed 3. Which and, one is, is that the stealth one? Which, well, yeah, I mean, like, it's... It's, it's, all, it's all stealth, yeah. It's all terrible. stealth, but it's, like, you, you break into a fort, and there's, like, George Washington, like, walking around yep. with somebody. Yep. Like, before George Washington is, like, you know, a name. And, uh, yeah, it's just, like, due to the mission, the mission parameters, you're not allowed to kill anybody or anything. You're basically, like, moving from bush to bush. And it's an incredibly annoying mission. And you would just, like, hear this, like, looping expository dialogue over and over again every time you, like, you know, retry. So I just, like, we would always, we heard that line a lot, and it's a badly acted line. And, yeah, that's so, that line is just, like, I will be on my deathbed. I will have forgotten my parents' names, but I'll still be, like, saying to the nurse, why, George, what reason did he give? And she'll Uh, look right back at you and say, all we had to do was follow the damn train, CJ. (laughs) (laughs) And then you'll flatline. (laughs) Man, what a terrible death. Um, But uh, So, yeah, it's like The Last of Us Us 2 is a game that is trying very hard to be a big, serious game. 
that I think is very interested in like interrogating its big final moment. So I'll say that like this is like a minor spoiler, but I don't care. Okay, this game is so corny. Uh, it's uh, spo- so spoiler corny. alert, I guess for yes. Yeah, spo- well, it's, it's a minor minor spoiler alert. The uh, so the doctor um, the doctor that Joel kills that I mentioned he uh, gets he gets like moments. Okay, put it this way, he's already a sympathetic character because he's a helpless guy who sees this like dude with a million guns, you know, strapped to his like back, like bust into a room. And he, you know, his response is to not just like defend himself, but to like defend there are like two other surgeons in the room. And like, there's like a noble cause. It's like, this is, this is all the characterization this guy needs, you know, and this one moment in his one act, that is all you need from this man. He, he returns in some flashback scenes and is given basically this like, really melodramatic characterization where he's like you know oh i like when ellie is like first delivered to the hospital he has this like moral quandary of like you know i don't want to kill this poor girl but i must save the world and like he like saves uh he he saves a zebra from this like barbed wire trap thing and it's just like so like look at what a good person this is look how noble this human was this noble human's life who was taken and this human so- who we already saw want to save the world like we're good yeah. yeah exactly like there was um and then he he's basically he gets those two scenes and then like he dies because we know he dies like it's basically just like fat like you know giving us this like really like fast forward version of what a good look at what a good person this this man is mm-hmm. and it's so unnecessary and it's so corny and it's just so like it's so on the nose and it's i don't want to say that the last of us 2 is completely unnecessary um but it like it feels right now at this stage like it is going for things that it isn't quite accomplishing it is not critical enough of its violence because it still wants to be a playable triple a game it wants to feel good for its players to feel okay playing it and I think that, like, the fact that people stuck through it for 30 hours indicates that people felt okay playing this thing. Even the people who were saying it's this brilliant critique of, like, video game violence or violence more generally. And also, the, one of the first things that happens is that Joel performs an acoustic cover of a Pearl Jam song that's already an acoustic song, so I guess it could be worse. But put it this way, and right before he does it, Joel says to Ellie, you know, like, don't laugh, don't laugh. Uh, anyway, when he started singing, I laughed. And I think that's uh, that's The Last of Us 2 so far. Oof. Well, it uh, just makes me all the more grateful that I didn't finish The Last of Us 1. And if I end up hearing that it's a pleasant surprise in the latter half, maybe I'll, maybe I'll revisit the franchise. Who knows? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, if we have time next week, I do hope to at least like maybe say like one quick thing. Like a, maybe maybe it's better than I'm... Yeah, maybe it's better than I think right now. I would like, sure. to, I would like that to be the case. Only time will tell. Uh, yeah, so we, we got to get going. Uh, but uh, delightful, delightful romp as always. Next week, we will more than likely be having our first ever guest on the show. Uh, that's exciting. Yes, uh, it is. So hot developments. You're going to want to stay tuned for that. Uh, here's a hint. If he does come on, which it looks like it's gearing to happen, um, a guest on my old show half past five a, a, a guest i previously had on there before so should be a hoot and a holler time and a half and something else which is good that has a conjunction in the middle of it um like those last two statements uh, i can't think of one i'm sorry I, i'm trying to think of one too couldn't do it all right i'm i'm never gonna live up to nameless host no <laughs> no who can though all right take care everybody Yeah, take care.